Welcome to the People First Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the People First Podcast. I'm your host, Devin Williams, co-founder and president of People First Professionals. And today we're going to talk about a topic that is incredibly important to me. It's visceral in my everyday life. It's part of why uh, Alec and I founded People First Professionals, and that is around the role of emotional intelligence in leadership. And so today, the power of PFP and the network brings you another great, fantastic guest. We're joined by Tom Huber, the COO and general counsel for Canoe Ventures. And Tom, we're so thrilled to have you on. I really enjoyed some of our back and forth conversations on this topic that I feel you and I, we care deeply about this and we put it into practice in our everyday lives and our professional careers. So thrilled to have you on board, your wealth of knowledge and experience as a leader and looking forward to diving into EQ and uh, leadership with you today. Devin, thanks for having me. I'm really looking forward to today's conversation. I should uh, forewarn everybody that uh, my opinions today are my own and uh, not those of my employer. Uh, or any uh, clients. And uh, I think you're very brave for uh, having me on the show without a handler. But uh, let's see how it shakes out. Oh, we're going to have some fun. I'm counting on it. I'm counting. All right, you ready to dive in? Let's get to it. Let's do it. All right. So we we're going to talk again about emotional intelligence in leadership. And just a little preamble for folks, you know, I highlighted how important this is to me personally. Look, uh, studies by Gallup, by Talent Smart, and countless others have found strong correlation and causation between organizations that have leaders who are high in emotional intelligence and things like improved profitability, productivity, retention, lower amounts of theft and safety incidents. Folks who are higher in EQ tend to make on average $29,000 to $30,000 more per year than their peers who are lower in emotional intelligence. You have leaders like Gary Vee, Michael Dell, Bill Gates. They're all talking about how emotional intelligence is a deficit skill gap in the workforce over the next decade as we become a more diverse, connected, and automated world that's only going to become more important. So such a timely discussion, Tom. And I think one area I, I always like to start with is our guests their own personal moment of realization. So can you recall for our listeners as to when this concept of emotional intelligence as a skill set and the importance of it in leadership started to come to the forefront for you personally? Sure. I got to tell you, the uh, first time I really recall uh, in a formal education setting, the, the topic catching my attention was really the uh, General Schofield quote that he used as part of his address to the graduating class at West Point back in 1879. And just take a second to read out the, the quote and, and then uh, talk about it a little bit because it really captured, captured my attention uh, soulfully. Uh, the quote is, the, the dis discipline which makes the soldiers of a free country reliable in battle is not to be gained by harsh or tyrannical treatment. On the contrary, such treatment is far more likely to destroy than to make an army. It is possible to impart instruction and give commands in such a manner, in such a tone of voice as to inspire in a soldier no feeling but an intense desire to obey, while the opposite manner and tone of voice cannot fail to excite strong resentment 
and a desire to disobey. And then we get to the part of the quote that's really impactful to me and really caught my attention. And he goes on to say, he who feels the respect which is due to others cannot fail to inspire in them respect for himself. Why he who feels and hence manifests disrespect toward others, especially his subordinates, cannot fail to inspire hatred against himself. And while the quote is really directed at you know, his military audience, the theme of communicating in a manner and a tone such as to inspire others is the real gem of the quote. Uh, the part of the Schofield quote that I really find really fundamental to the thematic message is that part that's farther down where he talks about feelings. He's talking about feelings of all things. I mean, feelings are amazing things. Feelings make us laugh and cry and love. Uh, and, and so really to hear the general use that as part of the fundamental message in his quote about how we treat each other uh, really captured my, my attention. At the time, I was about 18, 19 years old. And, and ever since then, I reflect back on that quote really on a pretty consistent basis. Um, I mean, just take that quote apart for a little bit because I do it all the time. He who feels the respect which is due to others, and, and I really do take that as a soulful message. This isn't, you know, General Schofield talking about, you know, I was told to be kind or I was told I had to be inclusive or I want to think, you know, have other people think I'm a nice person. This is full on feels the respect which is due to others as one of the main call outs in effective leadership. I mean, so just by virtue of walking the planet together here at the same time, General Schofield is talking about feeling the respect which is due to others and communicate accordingly. And that's just a starting position. I mean, for those that we've decided to share our lives with, whether family or friends, and, you know, for today's uh, conversation, their organization and colleagues, I mean, surely we can find a higher standard. And, and starting with that feeling of respect that is due to our colleagues, I think is such a critical uh, pillar to effective emotional intelligence at an individual level, and then projecting that as a leader into your organization. Yeah. And it's, it's so fascinating because you think about, you know, some of the words and you called out feeling, feelings, respect, inspire, but, you know, not exactly a conversation you would expect a man to have with other men in the late 19th century let alone in a military setting. And so I think your point about it being truthfully uh, from the soul and inspired from the soul and somewhat natural to General Schofield is, uh, I think it's spot on, but calling out again, those words, feelings and respect and, and inspire inspiration. I think those, those really stand out so strongly to me in that address. And I think it's a, a great example. And I'm glad I think another time, love to chat with you a bit about how you came across that that quote early in your life. Uh, but we'll we'll table that for another discussion because it's it sounds like a really powerful moment. So that was a time ago. You know, you've been in leadership for several decades. You've had a lot of very important roles, right? Let's call it what it is. Um, and I know personally that there's clear correlation towards as people grow in the ranks and they, they get more power and responsibility, their personal development can actually be blunted due to that. They don't get as many opportunities to get true criticism and reflection and feedback. And they also sometimes with the title that can cause some hubris into their own gaps and their own deficiencies. And so for you, you've been very intentional about bringing emotional intelligence into your lexicon and into how you act and, and carry yourself as a leader. 
Can you tell our, our listeners a little bit about that journey and some of the things you've put into practice and, you know, just share, you know, even some of the, the gory details and the stub toes along the way, but what's that journey been like for you, Tom? Sure. The, yeah. I think that there's, there's so much there and, and just, we'll touch on a couple things. And if you like a topic, we can go a little deeper on it. I think that if from that starting point of, um, personal emotional intelligence and, and really kind of social awareness, which is obviously another cornerstone of the uh, emotional intelligence. I think over time, as we uh, earn and build trust and comfort with each other, and again, sticking to the organizational aspects uh, for today's purposes, uh, we drive to this even higher form of communication and uh, effectiveness within the organization. So just a couple examples here would be when you have high trust and comfort with your colleagues or your partners or your vendors, uh, in my case, you know, the, the uh, other executives I've been working with, I mean, some as far back as we met back in 1989, uh, and we've been doing this together for decades. And obviously, that's a lot of time together, and our trust factor is incredibly high. I mean, you know, you, I sit there and I think about, um, you know, for example, Secretary of State Colin Powell has been known to talk a little bit about uh, optimization as a force multiplier. And I think of uh, emotional intelligence in an organization, and especially in leadership and both formal and informal, which we'll talk about in just a moment. And that really is a force multiplier to the effectiveness of your organization, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, just a quick example, when you know a colleague of mine who I have a high trust and comfort level with says, Tom, I'm going to deliver to you what you need for your team on August 1st. I don't even think about it again. I just know that's going to happen. I don't even have to check up on it. Whereas think about the burden of an example of a vendor who maybe has let you down in the past. And you know that, you know, when they say August 1st, that's at best a maybe. Uh, and you know, the chance that they're going to deliver that with what you need is probably less than 30%. And the enormous amount of uh, utility that you pour into checking on them constantly, um, and they end up letting you down anyway. Those are two very different paths. Um, based on your experiences and in the case that we're you know, highlighting today, a very strong uh, amount of uh, trust and comfort based on very high level of emotional intelligence in that leadership uh, community. So I, I just wanted to highlight that as a difference. The other thing I think about too, just fundamentally before we get into some more examples is, you know, how you go about your day. When I, when I think about uh, the Schofield quote and social awareness and um, you know, at, at some level, you really break that concept down into kindness and compassion and empathy and important things that help us all get along on a daily basis. Uh, and, and so in the work context, I think about it this way sometimes where I go, well, you know, we've all decided to run a mile together and we are either gonna just be down in the mouth about it and you know, oh man, we're gonna go run this mile and it's gonna be awful. And at the end of the day, we ran a 10 minute mile and we complained about it the whole time. And it was an awful experience versus uh, we put our happy hat on and. Uh, we smile and joke around about how we're going to run this 10 minute mile and high five along the way and have a great time. At the end of the workday, we've run a 10 minute mile in both cases, but one of them was an incredible team building uh, experience and one was, was just drudgery. So a lot to me of what we do with uh, a strong, emotionally intelligent organization is we enjoy our day. You know, it's, it's an, you touched on it earlier as we opened, it's, a, it's an important element in uh, running the business and having people like coming to work, like the people they work with because of how we treat each other. And uh, it really is uh, a multiplier and an efficiency gain in every size of organization that I've worked in. <clears throat> so in this concept of you know continue, continuing or starting, depending on where you're at, to treat each other with this really strong feeling of respect uh, that is due to each other, people take on uh, the important criteria of then feeling you know valued 
Um, and, and, you know, in my mind where I go, I even want it to be better than that. I'm not sure I've ever gotten this done, but I'm always pushing for projecting. Not only are you valued, I mean, it's almost like, um, you know, I don't want my kids to just even feel valued in my family. I want them to feel cherished. I'm not sure if I've ever gotten an employee or a colleague to feel cherished in my presence, but man, I'm trying. And I, I really want it to be that level of uh, emotional connection. Uh, I just think it's it's important. I think it's valuable. And um, I think that's what we be continue to be shooting for. Now, how do you go about that? That was really your question. I apologize for taking my time getting around to it, but I have my own personal philosophy around uh, leadership on this particular topic. Uh, and one element of, this, of that concept is the inter intermittency with which we interact with each other. And just briefly, what I mean by intermittency is, you know, your calendar is full and you got meetings all day and phone calls and, you know, a lot of video calls these days. Um, and those are really just little intermittent opportunities to express uh, how you feel about people and hear how they're doing. Uh, it's easy for me. I just have this legitimate interest in knowing how people are doing. And uh, each of those intermittent interactions is an opportunity and absolutely everyone must be thought through and considered in that light to really continue to practice and either form the habit or perpetuate that habit of interacting uh, in this intermittent world in a very high emotionally intelligent way. So I think that those are kind of sort of your starting grounds of how you wanna get into this. Um, and, and just if you'll give me a little bit of conversational leeway, you know, when, when Schofield talked about discipline uh, as an element of, a, of or otherwise as a relationship to culture, and we're talking about emotional intelligence and building that culture in part around that. Uh, the important part in here has a lot to do with leadership style and the norms that you deliver and the impact that has to your organizational culture. I think it is a leadership team, formally especially, providing that environment for really the self-perpetuation of goodness. And I use that term goodness purposely. I use that a lot, uh, my staff will tell you, because I think it conveys the intent of what we're, we're trying to do. And that is goodness is kind of the ubiquitous thumbs up. We're heading in the right direction. And I think that what's important that uh, people understand too, is it's not just the formal leadership that really gets to come in and say, hey, we're all gonna act in a, you know emotionally intelligent way or demonstrate we're gonna act in an emotionally intelligent way. Everyone else has to play ball as well. And we'll talk a little bit about kind of grading that. The other thing I think is you don't need to wait for you to be in this formal leadership position. I, I think that that's not the way that that game should be played. Uh, my personal approach to this is when I'm looking for a new leader to start bringing up uh, for expansion, I just watch how the team behaves and who it is they naturally start to follow. Uh, and that's really how I choose my leaders uh, and, and the people that we're gonna groom into those leadership roles is they, in an informal um, environment where they don't have the titles or anything like that, maybe not even the years candidly of experience, they just walk in and, and there's something about them uh, that people start to follow. Uh, and, and that's really where I think you can be very impactful. And that's the person that you want to make sure is properly groomed to uh, come up in your organization and demonstrate uh, as a peer to their, to their fellow colleagues the proper emotionally intelligent uh, way to go about the day. They're kind, they're empathetic, uh, they listen. Uh, all those really little, little snippets of throughout that intermittent day of theirs that really continue to engender uh, confidence, trust, and comfort from everyone, I think is really critical. And, and the other thing I think about, you know, when I, when I use those words, uh, I do think that to a certain extent, emotional intelligence is kind of one of those somethings that it's very difficult for us to uh, classify. I mean, there's certainly a lot of text and conversation around it uh, where we define it or try to define it. It can be a little slippery. 
but I kind of think of it as uh, when somebody is really behaving in a meaningful and focused, emotionally intelligent manner, that it's it's really kind of a something where, you know, if you used a sports analogy, like somebody's really playing and they're really in the zone. That really doesn't define it, but you know it when you see it. And I, I think the same thing about emotionally intelligent behavior in the workplace, where you just know it. The mojo is just great. Uh, it, everybody feels good. There's a lot of good energy. Uh, a lot of positive things are happening. And, and I think that that's a, a critical element to uh, how, we, how we should interact and, and really contribute to the organization and its growth. I think that, you know, in terms of everyday journey and forming consistent behaviors and habits, which is really what we're after, I think that the, uh, you know, people, like you mentioned, start in different places with regard to their emotionally intelligent journey and, and perpetuating it. And in my mind, it's a lot like learning most new skills, uh, and it is a perishable skill, and so you need to keep working at it. And later in our conversation, we'll talk about some uh, some outlets, books, uh, videos, podcasts that are available that I would suggest uh, to folks to consider, uh, to perpetuate. And I'm not just gonna say, here's a list of things to you know, go out and look at. I think that really what's important as, a, as an activity and a behavior, if you're really gonna chase this in earnest, again, it's like anything else, you're gonna have to put some energy into it uh, to get started. And I also think you need to put some energy into it to perpetuate those good habits. So I'm gonna suggest you treat it kind of like a class or a piece of work and set aside time every week. Uh, and I'll have some suggestions later on about the order in which I think you should go about that. <clears throat> I think that as you go through your intermittent day and have all these interactions that, especially in the early days, if you really start to get your, you know, not just your head, but your, your emotions into how this behavior should be done, uh, and I still do this today, uh, is that after each interaction, especially if it's a difficult one, but don't wait for it to only be the difficult ones because then your focus is in the wrong direction, I think. You also need to document the good ones where you go, man, that was great, that, was, that really went well. Uh, and, and this is what I did, and this is how they responded, and then they did this, and I responded, I think is really, really important. Uh, so just take a couple quick notes. Um, most importantly, and I'm a huge, huge advocate of uh, just brutally honest self-assessment. And so when you're sitting there at your desk or you know, back in your uh, typing on your laptop and you're really assessing your behavior, uh, that self-assessment needs to be brutally, uncomfortably honest about what you could have done differently, why you would have done it differently, and write it down. And then the important part is for your next intermittent interaction uh, with that same group of people, same person or different, uh, you look at it and go, oh yeah, I kind of messed that up last time. Um, I, I did this especially back when I was a litigator where you know you get in front of the court and you make an argument and sometimes you know you walk out high-fiving yourself thinking that was great uh, and you get a bad result. And then other times you know you go in kicking yourself and you get a great result. And so I never quite figured out that recipe, uh, but I did take notes about what I should have done differently, why I should have argued it differently. And I feel the same way about every intermittent uh, interaction with uh, my colleagues is, uh, and even the folks I've been doing this for, you know, over three decades with, is just how could I have done that better and uh, what would have gotten us uh, down the road a little faster and more efficiently. So the other important thing important that is when you mess it up, you know what, you forgive yourself. Uh, that's an important uh, life skill, I think. Uh, make note of it, be brutally honest with yourself and take the learnings and move on to the next. And, and that's really important. I have a personal mantra that I recite every night. Uh, I recite it if I had a, a bad set of meetings. I recite it when I had a great set of meetings and a great day. Uh, and that is at the end of every night, I say, I'll do better tomorrow. And so I think, uh, as you said, as you know, you kind of move up with responsibilities and authority and all those uh, kind of interesting things, uh, I think that mantra should stay the same is no matter, uh, you know, how great you think you might be, uh, there's always an opportunity to empty your teeth up and fill it with some new knowledge, new approaches, new wisdom. 
uh, and uh, make sure that you do better tomorrow. Man, I was furiously taking notes, Tom. You said a lot of really great things, uh, some new and some validating for me as well. But, you know, if we if we think back to, you know, when Tom first started talking about some of these different aspects of kind of bringing this in intentionally to the everyday life, you know, he talked about trust and a foundation of trust. That's something that I talk about with all of my new hires and, and people, candidates that we're, we're talking to. We operate on the basis of social contracts. And without a cornerstone of trust, that entire methodology is broken before it's dead on arrival, right? And so then people start thinking, oh, well, well, how is it that companies that have leaders that are really high in emotional intelligence happen to have higher levels of profitability and productivity and retention? Well, because of aspects like what Tom highlighted on operating on a mutual understanding of trust and all of the efficiencies and joy and benefits that that, that operating procedure, that platform allows for. You know, we talked about self-perpetuating goodness and, and, you know, that mutual everybody together working off the same sheet of music, feeling the positivity, we're moving in the right direction, we're celebrating the small wins. When you display that and you live that and you practice that intentionally as a leader, it's contagious and people pick up on it. And that's why these same types of companies with leaders like a Tom report higher levels of fulfillment and happiness at the employee level and employee engagement and retention, et cetera. So all of these things come out. I just felt kind of obligated to pull them out for some of the listeners that maybe weren't connecting the dots. But a couple other quotes you said that I thought were really powerful, and I'm summarizing a little bit here, but every interaction is an opportunity to practice high emotional intelligence every single day. And then you took it a step further and you said, be brutally honest and self-assess those interactions, not just the bad ones, but the good ones as well. And, and do that regularly and revisit those before your next interaction with that same group. I think that is a fantastic and easy to implement takeaway for anybody that wants to improve their day-to-day interactions. And also, I might add, that's a practice, practice in mindfulness. That's a practice in enjoying the moment that you are in for what it is worth and nothing else. And so I'd encourage folks to really think about that. And, you know, the daily routine and the last piece that you said that we've had several other guests mention, give yourself grace, grant yourself some forgiveness. Nobody's perfect. You're not going to be, and the second you expect yourself to be, you're setting yourself up for misery. So, Tom, that was that was really really powerful, and uh, a couple of great takeaways for folks. So, continuing that theme, and as we start to wrap up the conversation here, obviously, shameless plug: check out PeopleFirstProfessionals.org. No doubt about it. But there's a lot of great resources, credible resources. Some of them have aged very well, which you and I talked about. So what are some of those content centers, those places that you've gone to, you found success that you might want to call the attention of our listeners to? Yeah, sure. I have a, a few to a handful here. And, um, you know, with regard to the people first professionals, I got to tell you, uh, before I agreed to this interview, I, I went back and listened to a handful of the podcasts. And I got to say, I think they're great. And 
uh, you know, shameless plug or not, I, I just thought they were very valuable. And so actually I'm gonna start with that one, um, which is on an ongoing basis, I think that uh, podcasts are a great uh, modern tool and you can listen to them on your way to work, in your car, while you're running. Uh, and, and I really advocate for those very strongly. I think another thing, a couple things too, to, that I'm gonna throw out here to, to consider, and, and back to what I'd mentioned earlier, if you're gonna get serious about this, um, you know, you gotta have a plan. And so, you know, put it on your calendar um, for whatever works for you, an hour a week, half an hour a week, you know, two hours a day, whatever really makes the most sense. Uh, and here's a couple of resources that I would suggest uh, in addition to the podcast. The, and before I go there, the other thing about this, I mean, you've mentioned some important items early on as part of the introduction about why this matters. I mean, just to kind of uh, pile onto that a little bit, if you go and read the 2020 World Economic Forum report, uh, it talks about, um, emotional intelligence uh, as one of the top 15 required job skills in the year 2025. So, you know, it's not like uh, we're out here on a flyer. I mean, like you said, this, this topic has been coming up uh, with various degrees of, of energy over the last decade or two and, and in lots of different forms before that. Uh, I think, you know, we're standing on the work of those who've come before us here uh, and there's a lot of good work out there and, and let me just jump to that. So uh, for reading purposes, a book that uh, I've had uh, since 2015, uh, my copy of it is uh, got full of underlines and highlights and notes in the margins. Uh, and that is the Harvard Business Review's 10 Must Reads on Emotional Intelligence. Uh, what I really like about that, uh, that book is you can kind of pick the topic you're interested in and uh, grab one of those 10 and it, they're pretty quick reads, uh, good reminders. Again, we talked about starting the habit and then also continuing to feed and fuel that habit. And, and that's one of the ways that I do it is I go back and I reread uh, those articles that uh, I find the most compelling. I don't really have an affiliation with Harvard, so to keep things balanced, there's another book that I really do like uh, that I've handed out, I lost count of how many times to people. Um, and it's not directly uh, emotional intelligence and in, uh, in related in the way that we think about it today, but it is absolutely kind of social awareness, read the room directed. Uh, that book title is uh, What They Don't Teach You at Harvard Business School, uh, Notes from a Street Smart Executive, which I think I first read that back in the late 80s or early 90s. And, Again, to this day, it's got some real gems in there about reading your room and social awareness uh, in a business context. And then two more items, just real quick, uh, Devin, is um, there's a video out and a video course out called Developing Your Emotional Intelligence. Uh, it's by Gemma Roberts. You can actually reach it through LinkedIn. Uh, and it's broken out again also. I really like this in terms of I got a snippet of time. There are sections that are about four to eight minutes long each. Uh, pick the topic you're interested in, you know, while you're drinking your soda, drinking your coffee, whatever you're doing. And, you know, it's an easy listen uh, and she's a great presenter. And so I'd recommend that as well. And if you're really ready to move forward, um, you know, in your emotional intelligence journey uh, individually or as an organization, uh, there's a great organization uh, called Sway. Their uh, website is swayworkplace.com. Uh, they do some phenomenal work. Uh, you mentioned, it, I think, best in your introduction about, you know, connectivity and the emotional side and our technical side and our business side. And so that hybrid work is really their specialty. Uh, at Sway and uh, they got some great individuals over there, good friends of mine and uh, highly recommended if you're really ready to move in that direction. Devin, that's what I have for you today. That's, I think that's a lot for folks to get started on without a doubt. One of the things you mentioned there, really important, calendar it, right? We are, we are busier than ever. I, you know, I don't know about you, Tom, but I got all excited from doing six to eight flight segments a week to, uh, okay, we're going to be working from home. I'm going to get some time back in my calendar. You know, life's going to be good. I'm busier than ever. I'm more back to back than ever. And I think a lot of people are in the same boat. So 
if this is something that's important to you that that you want to make improvements on, you got to be intentional, block the time, keep it sacred, and uh, and focus on that that time to develop some of your emotional intelligence. Tom mentioned a couple of great, uh, I really, I plus one that comment about the, the HBR top 10 on EQ. It's a great place to just start, kind of whet the appetite, get a bunch of different perspectives very, very quickly. Um, you know, we at People First Professionals talk a lot about emotional intelligence 2.0 by Dr. Travis Bradbury. It, it comes with a test where you can get a, you know, basic readout on where you at today and gives you some very specific exercises. I would really add to some of the things that Tom commented on. If this is something you're really looking to progress, I strongly encourage mentorship, whether formal or informal. If you don't know where to go and you want to get some formal mentorship around this and you're very serious, we'd love, we'd encourage you to check out the People First website. We'd love to have you. Don't be afraid to tap your network, professional and personal. You know those folks that are high in empathy. They're great active listeners. They read the room well. Those are the type of people who are have an affinity for emotional intelligence. Go tap them. What do you do? How do you develop this? How can, how can I learn from your journey? Um, but so many great uh, pieces of literature, resources to check out. So Tom... Thank you so much. I think there's been some really great tactical takeaways. Like, again, I'm going to double click on the self-assess your interactions, the good and the bad. Do it in near real, real time and revisit those before your next interaction with that group. I think that's an easy to implement and fantastic suggestion. Calendar this time. These skills are perishable. It takes ongoing and intentional focus. So calendar the time. And there's a litany of places to go. Uh, but this is only a growing need that more and more people are jumping on the bandwagon and getting behind. So the resource pool continues to grow. And if you want to partner in crime, check out peoplefirstprofessionals.org. One more shameless plug. We'd love to have you. But Tom, thank you again for being on, my friend. I really appreciate it. Great discussion. Thanks for your time and energy today, Devin. It's been a lot of fun. Awesome. Well, folks, thank you for listening and tuning in. Be sure to check out peoplefirstprofessionals.org. You can check out uh, videos, the budding online community, our newsletter, other forms of content. Check out the People First podcast anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Anchor, et cetera, ad nauseum. And until then, make it a great day. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you.